Hey everybody, welcome to Top 5 Movies. This is John Burke. With me this week are... Corey Starr, hello, hello. And... Oh, oh I thought you introduced me. I'm, I'm Mike Sanchez. I'm, I'm mixing it up. I'm mixing it up. Um, I no, think... that throws me off. I, I like to throw mm-hmm. you guys off, keep you on your toes. You look good. <laughs> DJ Aoki. You're like an EDM DJ. You're totally oh, mixing it up. Yeah, I don't ever want to be compared to an EDM DJ again, but it's okay. Um, your name no. today for the whole episode will be Skrillex. We are your no, friends. No, the worst one. No. He's the only one that we know by name. Uh, That's true. <laughs> um, and wait, is, um, is David Guetta um, also EDM? Yes, I was just about to name only only because of his collaboration with, with, with Justin Bieber, yo. No, he, he's got a new Bieber song that was talked about today. Mm-hmm. On one of Mike and I. Are big fans of the Hollywood Babylon podcast, which is Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman. Um, today's episode, well, they they usually uh, record on Friday or Saturday, and they post on Monday. And today's episode was uh, especially tough. Uh, um, well, and not. And I apologize for interjecting, but mm-hmm. not to uh, wish harm on anyone. But I don't know that I need to do impressions anymore. That last time I, because mm, yeah. I know I called you chums. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, oh, I see what you're saying. Um, uh, Adam West uh, passed away recently. Um, this, I believe it was Saturday morning uh, that the news broke. And I, I am a big Batman fan. I think most people who know me or know of me know this. Um, I Particularly, I've been a Batman fan since I was a kid. I used to watch reruns of the Batman uh, TV series mm-hmm. from the 66. And so I've always been a Batman fan. Adam West made me a Batman fan. He was my first introduction to the character. Um, and while I, of course, admit the show's campy and cheesy, I still love it. And uh, a few years back, they actually finally were allowed to release um, merchandise. They they always had these weird merchandising issues where none of the actors got money for it. So there was all these legal things. And so it wasn't until maybe, I think, five, six, maybe a little longer than that, they finally were able to release product of the show, including the, the show itself on Blu-ray. Um, they did the whole box set reveal. And so I have a bunch of, like, 66 Batman memorabilia um, all modern release stuff, not the old stuff that was uh, the original. But um, Ralph Garman was not only a big fan as, of Batman as well, but um, became friends with Adam West. And the stories he told on the podcast today were very, very uh, hard to listen. Um, Ralph is a tough guy, and hearing him clearly just breaking down, uh, especially because they recorded the day it happened. Um, oh. So it was very fresh and... He didn't just lose a hero like a lot of the world, but he lost a close personal friend um, who was also his hero. And he, man, uh, Mike and I both, we we were mes- messaging each other throughout the day today. And we, we were at different parts of the podcast at different times. But um, yeah, it was, I think both of us were like emotionally affected by it for a few minutes. Um, yeah, I, I had to stop listening because it was, that, that was, that was rough. It was. And, and I grew up, on the series and reruns because I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been alive in the mm-hmm. original yeah. run. And, and thankfully heroes and icons, it's one of the um, sub channels on Xfinity mm-hmm. of our local channel 13 and Saturday mornings. And I, sure enough, as I was reading the story, I was wrapping up watching the, 
uh, Golden Tank episode. I forget who oh, else. Man. I know the Penguin had the Golden Tank. And just so absurd. But I know some of the stories I've read, uh, Adam's Adam West's portrayal of the character kind of saving Batman from kind of fading into obscurity because I think he made the character so much more accessible. Oh, yeah. Uh, as campy and cheesy. But I think it was the... <laughs> It was the Batman that we needed at that time. Yeah, well, no and... question. Even again, I was it was eighty in the eighties that I was watching it before Tim Burton's Batman. Um, this is where you know the reruns were. I, I'm pretty sure they were on WGN. Like I think I would watch Bozo and then I'd watch Batman. Um, <laughs> and you know, at the end of every episode, the same bat channel, same bat time. To me, that mm-hmm. was WGN at that time because that was when yep. you know I was unaware of the fact they were reruns. They were just Batman, and I was so excited to see Batman every day. Um, so much so that I remember the first Batman comic I think I, I got, like, my hands on was the death of the family um, when Tim is, uh, not Tim, uh, Jason Todd is killed by Joker, um, which is not a good issue for a kid to start with. But, you know, I had that. I regret I don't have it anymore. I really wish I still had that original copy. Um, but, you know, Adam West uh, really, I mean, Batman's been, uh, Kevin Smith, who I've also been a big fan of, he said some things that I couldn't mimic more for one batman taught me to what it means to be good you know what i mean like that's mm-hmm. my my guidelines what i follow as far as like i everyone who knows me knows i'm a big advocate for rules um i don't like to break rules i like to follow rules and that comes from batman um and that comes from adam west that was my first introduction to the character and uh like kevin said too like i never when i was a kid i never thought the way he spoke anything other than he's a hero that's how heroes speak and um yeah it, you know we we've lost a lot of people um and as well, obviously as we get older we're gonna lose a lot more of our childhood heroes um you know we lost princess leia and now we lost batman and uh you know it's it's tough it is uh something that if you're a fan of this type of medium whether it's tv or movie um you do have a connection beyond uh explanation i think i think I know that I shouldn't be so sad of the loss of someone I've never met in person, but the impact that they've had on my life is is there, regardless of the uh, the connection. And I can only imagine, you know, how bad Ralph has to have felt, um, given mm-hmm. that he had the initial connection like we have, but then he got to build on that relationship. And um, I mean, the you more can... personal, yeah, connection. Yeah, the the loss that he has felt. I didn't even realize his involvement with getting um, Adam West star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, oh. Yeah. And that was another part of it, is so many people, once once the heyday of the Batman TV series went, and, and this is a testament to the way Hollywood is, he was way up there when the TV series was popular, and then no one paid attention to him. Well, that you can see and, a really good example of that, too. From um, Have you ever seen Hollywood Land? Uh, it's the movie about um, George Reeves, who was the TV superman. Yes. Yes. Um, his story's tragic because he had the same problem. Once he was Superman, nobody would cast him because he was Superman. They like he was a great actor. No one wanted him in any of their stuff though because he's Superman, and yeah. Yeah. you know it, it killed their careers. And I think that was a stigma for a long time. Like look, Christopher Reeves' career, he did other things, but what's he famous for? Mm-hmm. Superman, you know. And, well, it's it's still people. Uh, I I'm positive that people are very leery. I mean, Alec Guinness wasn't oh. keen on doing Star Wars. Yeah. And he'd had a large repertoire of work prior. I mean, Bridge on the River Kwai and just... Oh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. 
Alec Guinness, Alec Guinness is in Lawrence yeah. of Arabia too. I mean, the guy is like, uh, yeah, he's he's and but people will remember him as Obi Wan Kenobi. Yep, uh, and even you know people are hesitant. It, it takes a very specific and strong actor actress to break away from such a character, um, such a large role. I mean, Harrison Ford, and, is especially a great if example. it's their initial one. Yeah, well, Harrison Ford. I mean, he not only was did he break away from Han Solo. I mean, people still call him Han Solo, mind you, but he is known for tons of movies. But he's also Indiana Jones. He's two iconic characters, and was able to still do tons of work outside of those two characters and outside of those genres. He didn't get stuck into it. Um, and then you have actors like Mark Hamill, though, who really embrace it and they're all about it, but can still do different things. That's the thing I like about Hamill. Because then you have Johnny Depp, who is Captain Jack Sparrow now. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> He has become that character uh, so much that he's embraced it, um, and but yeah, I don't. We don't want to spend too much time. Although it seems appropriate because our topic this week is uh, our top five biopics, and we're doing top five biopics this week because of the um, All Eyes on Me film, the uh, biopic about Tupac Shakur, comes out in theaters this Friday, June sixteenth. Um, nationwide, and uh, I know Corey and I talked about the trailer for this movie on our most recent episode of Movie Club, and we're both excited about watching um, All Eyes on Me. So, Mike, I'd like to hear from you. Um, have you seen the trailer for All Eyes on Me? I literally just watched it, oh. I think, on Sunday. Perfect timing. I hadn't seen it, and, and uh, the poster, the first time I saw the poster was when we all saw <clears throat> uh, The Mummy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize. And that guy, he is the spitting image of Tupac. Right? And, I think they did such um, a good job. And it's uh, the story. It, 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 this is, you know, think, thinking about this straight out of Compton. And uh, this should be something to see. And I know I didn't put it on my draft list. But it, it might, It might surprise people. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It is my, yeah. um, I believe it's my uh, wild card, though. Um, oh, okay, okay. And uh, I, I am a big fan. Man, he looks so even like his profile picture on IMDb looks like Tupac. Um, yeah, Machiavelli. He's alive, man. He never. Oh, died. That's what Dude, they've been saying the whole time. That would be like a Tupac thing, though. Like he does a movie of himself. Like he's plays himself. <laughs> yes. It's like the rap, rap world, Andy Kaufman. <laughs> now. I um I was I said on the movie club I was a big fan of Tupac as a kid, um especially in middle school I had a friend who was like mad obsessed with Tupac so I was always listening to it, and um I I'm very excited to see this I I am from my understanding and I've still not done any official research but this movie has zero connection with Straight Outta Compton they're not the same studio it's not the same directors it's not okay. the same writers, um and I'm surprised because my understanding from Straight Outta Compton was they're gonna do a uh, Death Row biopic where Tupac would be a heavy f feature, but this is not the same guy from Straight Outta Compton because Tupac was in Straight Outta Compton, mm -hmm. but this isn't the same actor. So zero connection um, to that. But, and, but it's the same universe. It's it, like Fox, Sony, and, and Marvel Studios. They're fighting against one another, yeah. Uh, um, they're fighting the power? But the, uh, the first couple of trailers, I was slightly concerned because there were some lines in it where, like, um, I think Tupac said something. Either Tupac or someone said it to Tupac, like, um, if you die, you want me to tell your story or something like that. And I'm just like, uh, that's a little on the nose mm -hmm. of what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but then the newer trailer where they really show like how the, the narrative is going to be constructed. 
I'm excited. I really hope it's great. Um, although, I don't know about you guys, but I, I was going through like lost massive list of films that are considered biopics. Some I was surprised about, and I'm still I haven't done any fact checking. Like I don't want to drop names in case they're on one of your list or something. But um, there were some that I'm like I don't I wouldn't have thought that was a biopic. And uh, even the definition of what a biopic does it have to be on an individual or does it have to be it can it be a group? I, I assume we all kind of made our own decisions because we didn't discuss any rules formally. So I accepted if it's a group or if it's an individual in my list. Um, I'm not sure if you guys did the same or not. Um, but I thought we were picking movies with bio in the name. Oh, ooh, <laughs> your list is gonna be way different. Um, uh, and, and for the audience, uh, biopics are a, a, a fictional film based on the, a true story of an individual. So they're giving a biography of a character. Um, just in case anyone's listening has no clue what a biopic is, uh, it, biopic is short for biographical film. So um, we have picked our top five. Uh, what this podcast is, is we each pick our, our lists in secret, and this is us revealing them to each other. Sometimes we have some commonalities, and if we do... Uh, we will wait till the later person. So, like, for example, if Corey's number five is my number one, when she says the name of the movie, I'll ask her to wait. And when we get to my number one, we will discuss her movie and my movie at the same time rather than having two different sections of that. Um, and basically, uh, we like to hear from our, our listeners about your list. So while you're listening, if you start thinking of biopics that we left off or that you wish that you think are better, we'd love to hear that. We'd like to hear exactly what you think is good and bad um, from our list. Now, I did notice, though, with all these biopics, there's tons of movies that are biopics, and again, some that I would have never thought to be a biopic. Um, varying levels of quality, like massive, like from amazing, some of my favorite films are considered to be biopics, and then movies that I think are just really bad. Like, the the degree of different, I mean, you can say that for any movie, obviously, but um, sometimes it seems like the more obscure uh, the biopic is about, the more compelling the film is. Um, yeah. Then if so it's like own. a big, well, not necessarily the film itself being obscure, but the person the film is about being mm-hmm, obscure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because there are some like uh, I don't want to list names because I don't know what's on your guys's list, and I don't want to ruin any kind of buildup. So I guess we'll shut up my rambling and we will move into our list. Mike is going to be going first this week, then Corey, then me. What? What? Spoiler warning. Oh yes, of course, Corey. We weren't started yet. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead. I just like to do what I want here. Um, spoiler warning, you can check out our list at BerkReviews.com if you don't want us to ruin any storylines for you, because we might do that. If not, full steam ahead. And one more note. Before um, we get into Mike's number five, if you use an app to listen to our podcast, and it is, um, odds are if it's working, or if you're listening to this, it's working. But if you encounter any problems, uh, please let me know. Uh, you can email me at johnburke at BerkReviews.com, but... We have a listener who I am so apologetic to. Uh, if you use Podcast Attic or if you have, email them and tell them that something is wrong because I've been trying for weeks to get our podcast fixed. It was fixed this morning, and by the afternoon it was not. It was broken again, and I don't know what is going on. Um, I have contacted them, and I felt like they were a little short and not willing to really uh, talk to me and, and help me figure out what's not working. But um, it, it upsets me greatly because I, I don't want our listeners not to be able to get access to it. So, again, if, it's that, if you lost it on one app and you had to switch apps or whatever and you're not happy about that, please let us know and we will get that taken care of. Or at least I will try. And, again, email the app developers if something like that's happening. They might have some suggestions. So, 
That said, let's get into our list for this week. Again, top five biopics. Mike's going to start us off with his number five. We, we haven't set odds yet. I'm not starting oh, yet. Well, this How is many perfect. we will know? Sure. Wait, wait, wait. We're seen? Seen, right? It's, no, it's, we're seen. Seen? I think it's seen. Yeah, I think it's Okay, and for listeners, uh, if you are new to the show, um, Mike has a tendency to have seen movies that Corey and I have never heard of. Um, and so very obscure. We started taking bets at, at the end for nothing. It's just for fun. But um, Yeah, we don't win anything. Yeah. I'm uh, the big winner. Yeah, Mike gets to laugh at us when we fail. Um, <laughs> biopics I feel pretty confident with, so I'm going to say I've seen... I'm going to go two. I'm going to say three. <laughs> I think I've seen three of your biopics. Three. I, I think that... John and I are going to have two overlap. I expect at least okay. one for sure, one hundred percent, and then probably a second. Two. Yeah, I could say okay. I could see two. One hundred percent though. Like I, I am very confident that one is on both of our list because of the director. So <laughs> I will yep. I will say that my principal this morning stumped me on a Vince Vaughn film. Oh and yeah, and I, I took a guess at it and I finally had to IMDB it. I had never Wait, wait, watched... wait. I want to know. Don't do it how he did it so I can guess because I, I want to know if I can guess it. Yeah. Said, well, because – and the thing was is I was stressed last night. I got a call about 10, 22, and there were some lodging arrangements that didn't work out for a coworker of mine, a 60-year-old teacher getting training at American Ballet Theater. And t- it was a classic click classic case of misrepresentation. So I'm still in the process of figuring out what's going on on that end, but – this morning, I mean, I was up at five, and I know people wouldn't be in the office, so I finally got it resolved with new lodging, you know, a chain that, you know, wasn't just a New York place. And he said, he said one of the things he said, I, I had to kind of, it's a good thing I heard it on voicemail and not gotten the call fresh, because the only thing I could flashback to is that movie with Vince Vaughn, this is my principal speaking to me, where their businessmen... And then they had to go over. Oh, uh, I know what this is. They, um, they, it's a movie with James Franco and the old guy. No, not James, Dave Franco. And, oh, what's it called? Oh, I know. Uh-huh. See? Hold on. Oh, I know this. Because I had no clue. I had no clue. And I, I still didn't. It didn't click with me. And they had to stay and ended up being like a hostel. Uh, <laughs> and then I think they had the room with clear windows. or Everything was all clear, all walls and everything. And it, it was definitely a case of. Whoa, because uh, I thought, well, maybe it's old school. And then I'm like, oh, okay. And then I thought, oh, the internship. No, no. Because he couldn't remember offhand at first. And then I finally IMDb'd it. Unfinished business? No, nothing. Yeah, yeah, that was it. See, and I hadn't seen it, so I added it to my watch list yet, just for... Yeah, I hadn't seen you it know, either. Thankfully, actually. everything resolved. Oh, you haven't seen it either? I'd not ever heard of it. It's from 2015. I so. am I am very good with uh, memorizing like things from trailers, and that's uh, when I worked when I managed Fye. The um, that was one of the things I excelled with. Is, oh you know, yeah. <laughs> when those customers come in and they're like, "Hey, there's this movie with this guy," I could usually mm-hmm, answer that mm-hmm. question. Um, it, it's not right. a guarantee, but because I when I see a trailer, um, it generally is stored in my brain somewhere, even if I never see the movie. I can't always come up with a name, but I can at least come up with enough actors to find it. Um, like just now, yeah. yeah. But that's so. I felt like I was like, and I even said, you know, you stumped me. I pride myself in knowing a large volume of different work. So I, I that's like trivia. It. All right, uh, number my, five. <laughs> this is my pick. Sorry for going off on a tangent. I'm very notorious actually for following rabbit trails like that. Seventy percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, six point nine IMDb rating, and sixty-five meta score. 
Uh, Jeffrey Wright has most recently been in HBO's Westworld, also from the Hunger Games, The Only Lovers Left Alive, and countless other works. Uh, but he stars as Jean-Michel Basquiat Stop. in 19... Oh, wait, he hasn't even said the name of the movie yet. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, that is the name of the movie! No, it's not. It's Basquiat, not, not his full name. Yeah, Basquiat. Okay. How do you even spell that? Man, I wanted to talk. How do you B-A-S-Q-U-I-A-T. Okay, I've literally never heard of this. Um... Boom. Wow, Corey wins so far. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. He's one of two and an overlap on top of it, which is surprising. Um, that, yeah. Wow. Okay. So Sorry, that, I heard Basquiat and I was like, boom. That's I, I could have guessed this if I had known this movie because it has Gary Oldman and David Bowie. And that's a Corey yep. uh, milkshake right there. So, yeah. Uh, Dennis Hopper. Well, we'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. No, I'm just saying with Corey, like if I had known those two actors were in it, I would have guessed it was on her top five list, but I didn't know that movie. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Okay. So that, that goes to Corey then. Uh, so Basquiat is Mike's number five. We will hear from him uh, when we get to Corey's spot on her list. What is your number five, Corey? My number five is. I think you and I are going to have a lay, uh, whatever overlap. It's 2014's Love and Mercy. Uh, stop. That's correct. Good, good call. Um, <laughs> Knew it. So that's two uh, overlaps right away. So our number fives are going to have to wait to be heard. Maybe mine won't. Uh, my number five yes. is uh, from 1991. Um, and uh, well, I'll just say the name of it, see if anyone has it The Doors. All right, so nobody else has it. That's good. Um, have you guys seen this movie? Yeah. No. Oh. What? <laughs> no. Corey, I'm surprised, but we'll get into Strike. that. Strike. Um, <laughs> the Doors was directed by Oliver Stone, uh, stars Val Kilmer, Kyle MacLachlan, Meg Ryan, um, Frank Whaley, Kevin Dillon, and Michael Wincott. Um, I saw this because of the singer in my old band, uh, which I'll name drop, Contrast. Um, this is going back quite a bit in terms of time. Like, this is like... 13 years ago, uh, my singer in the band um, had this movie, and he was like, you gotta watch this. And I'm like, oh, I'm not really a fan of The Doors, and he's a big Jim Morrison fan. Um, and so, he's like, no, no, you will be, just watch this. And I brought it home, and my wife and I watched it, and I was blown away. I really, I found myself wanting to listen to The Doors after that. Uh, I thought Val Kilmer was amazing in the movie. Um, it's been about 12 years since I watched this, so I'm you know, basing it off of the impact the movie had on me more than, like, my fandom. I've only watched it the one time, but I, I've never forgotten it, and I'm still to this day a big fan of The Doors strictly from this film. Like, I've listened to some of their songs outside of the film, of course, at this point, but the film made me interested in them and knowing about them. And of course, some of it I was like totally blown away by. I'm like, what is this? Can't be real. There's no way this happened. And that I do that, I think, with most biopics because obviously, in a lot of it, is there's a lot of liberties taken with biopics. Um, but always, always, and it's for the sake of entertainment, right? That's the whole point. We want to make these stories as compelling as possible. Sometimes that hurts the movie, and other times it makes it, uh, like this one, super memorable. Um, if you haven't seen it, like Corey, I highly recommend this film. Um, it's one of my the only Oliver Stone films that I've seen and liked. Um, there are several I haven't seen. Uh, and it's been a long time since I've watched like Natural Born Killers, and there's another one of his that I don't care for. I can't think of what it is right now. Did he do U-turn? Silence. JFK Hatton. I I you know what? Oh, that was noisy. Uh, JFK still haven't seen. Um, yep. <gasps> Whoa. Oh yeah. Well, he, I, he did do U-turn. 
Okay. Um, but I skipped U-turn. Yeah. I, I dragged my well, I didn't drag my wife to Natural Born Killers. Um, writer on Scarface, but I still consider that one of his. Still haven't um, watched that. Which you know, because you're supposed to watch it with me. Um, yeah, well, I know he's done a bunch. He's done a lot of work. Oh, you're breaking up. added a Kindle as we were recording. Ah. Oh, yeah, I, I'm getting some of the breakup, too. Yep, yep, you are. Um, I've tried to, uh, I let that, let me. Yeah, so listeners, we're having some technical difficulties this evening. We apologize. We're looking into finding a better sy- system for recording. Uh, we currently use a Microsoft-owned company uh, as our teleconferencing needs, but we might have to find something a little bit more stable. Um, it seems to be causing a lot of problems this last couple episodes. Um, and I've heard they're they're trying to make that program more like Snapchat, and that could be where we're finding these uh, annoying little technical glitches. But, um, all right, that's my number five, The Doors. Uh, Mike, do you have anything to add to The Doors? Um, I actually didn't even have it on my honorable mentions, but oh, I, I do... I, 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 and, and it's one of those that it's tough not to include because Jim Morrison. Um, I know I can't remember the role that Billy Idol was set to play, but then he got into his motorcycle wreck. Oh, and so he kind of took a. Um, oh. He said, "I believe, but only in a much minor role." I didn't, he's supposed to be one of the guys in the band. I thought I didn't. Oh, uh, he's still in it. He's, yeah, there was, yeah. He, he's Cat now, but uh, there's a guy named Cat and a guy named Dog. Um, I just realized Michael Madsen was in this movie. Uh, the uh, yeah, you know, Thomas t- Thomas Ian Griffin. Um, yeah, the just that it's a great pick because just the sheer you you like you said the sheer whoa this really happened and given the way Jim Morrison was yeah that probably really happened yeah and this that's the the story is so compelling even if you were not a fan of the music which I can understand it's it's it changes dramatically I think over time kind of. You know, um, like the Beatles, too, really. The Beatles sound changed dramatically in their later stuff that not everybody, you know, when people talk about loving the Beatles, they're usually talking about their earlier albums. Um, they're yeah, so Man, and and there's another one. And there's and another one on this. Um, and, I, and maybe I'm one of your lyrics, but I'm just going to mention it. And there's one that I forgot. Uh, backbeat. That's very, very early Beatles time. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Um are we talking about like a that's a Beatles album or like a biopic? A uh, biopic. Oh, okay, yeah, I have not seen Backbeat. Um, but uh, yeah. oh. and Corey, you have not seen The Doors. Are you uh, uh because you're not a fan of their music or just never got around to it? Um, I I think that the interesting thing about this movie is like you said that you ended up listening to The Doors because of it, but I um growing up, my mom and dad's uh, good friends. Corey. Too, so I think that um. Oh, you. That, you yes. You cut out. For I'm a, talking. I know. I know. I didn't mean to cut you off. You cut out for a bit. Oh, have... <laughs> technical oh, no, difficulties are plenty. Horrible. I don't know I what's going on. You heard her the whole okay, time. Yeah, I, I've I was, been. Yeah, I heard her the whole time. I was actually going to interject and say that she preferred Windows. Uh, 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 yes. Um. Well, I can't keep my train of thought, thought now. Yeah, I apologize. Um, uh, not trying to cut you off. that's something... No, that's fine. Um, so I think that that's interesting. As much... I mean, I've heard The Doors, but I've never been really compelled to watch this movie, but I have heard that it's really good, so... Yeah. Maybe I need to. I, well, it's on my top five. It's good enough for that. Um, and I, I have to say, too, just a frame of reference, because sometimes we do these lists, and the topic is really hard for uh, one or two of us to come up with five like solid picks. 
I think that was the case for Corey last week. Um, this is not that issue for me. I actually have seen, I didn't realize how many biopics I'd seen um, until I started looking at the list. And I was like, wow, I'm apparently a really big fan. It was, it was super hard for me to get started. I had my first three like right off the bat, but I'm not even going to lie. I didn't finish my last two until today. And I've just been thinking on it, thinking on it, thinking on it. Um, yeah. But same, I didn't realize how many I'd seen. Yeah, and picking was hard. Like, The Doors, was, it, I had it off, I had it back on, I had it off. But it just had such an impact on me because, again, after seeing it, it made me explore the artist more. And I feel like that's a success. And I, I really enjoyed the movie. It's one that I've been wanting to go back to. Um, I don't currently have it because it wasn't my copy that I watched, and I did return it to uh, my, my friend um, and singer at the time. Um, but it's one that I've, I've picked up and put back down many times because I'm like, oh, I really, I really enjoyed watching this. I don't know if I'll watch it again, and so I haven't bought it, but it's one that I do want to add to my collection at some point. I feel like you should, because I'm pretty sure it's like $5 on Blu-ray at yeah, Target. it's almost always on sale. That's that's the, like wow. why I've picked it up so many times, yeah. um, because it is always really affordable, but it's just like, if I buy this, am I going to watch it? Because there's tons of movies that I haven't seen that I've bought and still have not watched. This is one I've well, seen. And it's, so, it's so long. It's a, it is. A, it's an investment of time. So the way it sounds, like you're in and out of the doors. Oh, man. I'm going to quote. The puns uh, don't stop. Nope. Let's move on to Mike's number four <laughs> with that one. Uh, what do you have for number four, bud? <laughs> All right. In my pick, Ed Harris is Jackson Pollock in 2000's <gasps> eponymous film Pollock. Oh, I hear a gasp. Is that No, me? I've never seen that before. I'm... <sighs> 81% fresh rating, 7.0 IMDb rating, 77 Metascore. I'm taking Burke's silence as he is not either, so I'm Correct. winning right now. Uh, so in this case, we have another artist story, uh, and I'm going to go because this kind of ties into my number five pick. Uh, in this case, though, the emphasis is m more on Pollock's really distinctive technique uh, instead of his character as opposed to my other pick. Uh, with that said, there are still a lot of the same themes w that you find in Basquiat. Uh, in Pollock. Um, my curiosity uh, with Pollock's work is really mainly due to the homage that John Squire from the Stone Roses had paid to Pollock uh, on several of the sleeves of the Stone Roses band releases, of album releases. Um, there was a nod to pa Jackson Pollock and Mona Lisa's Smile, and that was probably my favorite part of the film, where they get to really be, you know, right there in front of it and um, I know there was a documentary, I think it was uh, Who the Who the Blank, uh, I think it's Expletive Deleted, is Jackson Pollock anyway, where I think it was a trucker. I, I can't remember. It was a documentary. They found one. Uh, they didn't know what they had uh -oh. and, and bought it for $5. Oh, wow. And, you know, this is a priceless I'm... piece. Um, uh, it's not a happy-go-lucky film by any means. Uh, I feel it's very grossly overlooked. Um, Marsha Gay Harden plays... Her name just escaped me, um, but uh, she's the female lead. Um, gosh, how can I? I, I had it even. I was going to type it in. Uh, she, uh, I, I want to say Jennifer. Um, I could be wrong. Lee Krasner. Just to see. Thank you, Lee Krasner. I shouldn't have forgotten because it's a very distinctive name as well. Um, just to see because I'm used to. Ed Harris in something like The Rock, or um, you mean he, you're used you to know, him as a, like villain. a military? And he's almost always the bad yeah, guy. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, he's right, and he's good, he's good at that. But to see him break out of that, uh, it was really great. And one of those that I think I would have missed 
I think most people missed, and it's unfortunate because you may not realize that you're looking at, at a Jackson Pollock. It's just, I, w- I wish I had some sort of an artistic sensibility. I mean, I know what I like. Same. Uh, but just to see him at work because they emulated the way he worked and he didn't. Yep. You cut he out. He did have it. some old work. There's a funny part where, like, how are. Uh, it, it's. Well, there was a funny part where. Um, Go ahead. Where. Um, the piece is too large. Oh, they want it, you know, and I think the solution is to break it into different pieces and then put it back. Uh, I think I, I could be mistaken. It's been a while since I watched it, but yeah. that's my pick. Pollock. Well, uh, it's noted, uh, note noteworthy that it's directed by Harris as well. Um, and uh, 77 on Metacritic, mm. which is really good. So um, I actually, I don't, I don't think I knew this movie existed and uh, it's one I'm I'm intrigued by, so um, definitely gonna, I've added it to my watch list and something I'm gonna try to look into seeing. Um, I don't know when because there's so many movies on my watch list; it's ridiculous. But if it ever comes across me uh, and I have the opportunity, I'm definitely gonna check it out. But I might seek this one out because I'm I'm compelled. Um, I'm familiar with his art. I'm not familiar with the person very much, um, so I'm intrigued. Um, so with uh, Paul, this movie, I hadn't um, heard about. It's, but I do remember when that lady uh, found that painting at a yard sale, and she's a pretty funny little lady. And I know that there's also a documentary on. Is she, does it kind of focus on her? I thought it did. That okay. Did. Okay. Um, but I thought that was s- such a super interesting thing that happened that she found that at the uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yard the yard sale like that. What the heck, man? Um. But I do need to look into this because I feel like it would probably be pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's a movie I I want to check out. Sorry, Mike. Oh, you're good. All right, so who's Uh, next? Corey's up. Corey, what is your number four top five movie? Okay, my number four is 2005's Walk the Line. I didn't expect either of you guys to have it. Okay, it's on great. my honorable mention. It's on my honorable okay. mention. <laughs> um, I love this movie a lot. I haven't seen it in a while, but um, everyone knows that I'm a fangirl for Joaquin Phoenix, and I really liked Reese Witherspoon in this movie. <laughs> as- oh, my God, uh, I know. You're supposed to fangirl over Johnny Cash. I, I love Johnny Cash, and I thought that he did such a great job, and I yeah, even yeah. liked... The singing that he did in the movie a lot, oh, and yeah. I like oh, yeah. he and Reese Witherspoon together. So I am a Johnny Cash fan, but something pretty funny is my mom is not a Johnny Cash fan, and so she actually preferred Joaquin Phoenix's versions. Like I'm pretty sure that she would listen to those, and it, I think that's pretty what? funny. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're not gonna talk about that. I totally forgot that Jennifer got a uh, good one was in this though. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen it, but um. I'm a fan, and I liked Reese Witherspoon so much as June Carter Cash. He was, uh, it was on my list, and I did send it down to um, the farm team because I it, It's a big one. Uh, my family, my whole family, are Johnny Cash fans, and so it was on because I'm. My son and I are basically living bachelor lives for another couple of days, <laughs> and so we've been able to explore lots of different film. He's my film buddy, and he hadn't seen it. And we, he got, I think uh, he was f- finishing something up and walked in right after the death of the older brother. And so I explained what happened, and he, he right away, he's like, 
he knew he's like that's the song and then you know the bit with june june carter cash or june carter writing the ring of fire we watched the whole thing and no complaint no pausing we just that's he he's like my mini me really (laughs) and um he definitely uh because the funny story on sirius xm's the social distortion version of ring of fire comes on and which i love yeah and was really fun to play on guitar hero but he my son he's like Mm, not as good as the original and I, i'm like this is you know this is my kid and <laughs> it's interesting it's made me um having watched it i think it was saturday or sunday i can't recall exactly but uh having watched it very recently it was tough not including it it did get me in the mindset of getting the list together um i'd like to kind of delve into because jennifer godwin godwin's character the, the first wife there's a lot of stuff be, uh, she wrote a, a bio, autobiography as well as uh, I think around the time of the film because they they didn't they kind of gleaned over they it was more a definite focus on June and Johnny um, but not necessarily in, in reality there's there's a lot of stuff that may not necessarily have been covered at least according to uh, is it Vivian uh, oh I I, yeah I'm pretty sure that's her name uh, her point of view because and the the anecdote or the story goes that she went to johnny and said hey i'm gonna write a book and he looked at her and said well, well took you so long because you know he i think he put her through the ringer and uh one of the things that they don't cover in walk the line supposedly allegedly that june was very aggressively after johnny oh no they don't and huh. that, they played her as very not that route and so which is again and i think we addressed this at the beginning is but just because it's based on a true story you're not always going to get the full yeah it's someone's uh, it's a version of the version exactly and uh there's always almost always going to be something added or edit you know edited for dramatic effect and Mm -hmm. that's gonna happen regardless of that i love the film just a joy to watch and just to see they become June Carter Cash and Johnny Cash. That's that, and you know, and then uh, watching my son. Oh, that's Elvis. I'm like, yeah, they were contemporaries of each other. He didn't know Jerry Lee Lewis as much because he's okay. Uh, maybe one day we'll watch Dennis Quaid and Winona Ryder and Great Balls of Fire. I these days. love that movie, and I have that one on my honorable mentions. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, um, uh, as much as I've got to say from it, it's tough to not have included it. Yeah, obviously. Uh, I I saw this just once. Um, I liked it. It's it didn't have. The, I was already a Johnny Cash fan when I saw this, um, which is one of the only country artists that I can say that about. Yeah. Um, which yep. speaks volumes about Johnny Cash to me. Um, especially yeah. to me as a a big. I grew up in the rock era where we wore all black. We weren't goth, but we still wore black like with our rock music, and um. Johnny Cash was the man in black. You know, he he kind of started that. Like he had this dark edge about him, even though his music was country. Some of the the lyrical content was not uh, not traditional country, and I think that's where I've always connected with him. But I want I have an interesting connection with this movie. Uh, there is a character in the film. Obviously, this is based on true people. Waylon Jennings. Um, do you guys know? Yes. That's, that's played by his son. Play, Shooter played Jennings. by his. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I told yeah. I was t- telling my son that, and he's like, "Whoa, that's cool." And. Yeah. and well, Shooter is a regular on DLM, Douglas Movies. Um, he's been on it a few times. 
And I actually interviewed Shooter Jennings uh, for the Winter Haven News Chief a few years back. He was playing oh, at Cypress Gardens. That's rad. Um, and so, yeah, so I've, I've spoken to uh, on the phone. It wasn't a face-to-face interview, but it was a phone oh. interview. But still, like, I talked to the guy for that's about rad. half an hour. Yeah, um, yeah because he was playing at Cypress Gardens and I was on the regular music beat. Like I got to interview a few bands, but that was one that I got to interview. And I think, um, I know it was after this movie. So I know I talked to him about the movie a little bit. Um, and the experience of what it was like to play your dad, you know, uh, in a movie, you know, so, um, cool little connection I have to this film, not a big one, mind you, but still kind of a cool thing that I'm like, Hey, I talked to that guy and he's in this movie. Um, but, uh, it's cool. It's definitely when I think biopics, this is one that pops to mind immediately. So, I'm glad it's on one of our lists. Um, I just, again, it didn't have the the big impact to me um, that it could have. I think if I hadn't been a Johnny Cash fan, this movie would have really hit me harder, like The Doors did, because that's, again, I wasn't a fan of The Doors. I knew who they were, basically, but I really didn't know their story at all. Um, and I didn't know all of this Johnny Cash story that's in this, so I'm not in any way downplaying the movie, but I think uh, when I look back at the ones that had an impact on me the doors just did a big, a bigger job for me than uh than walk the line not to again disgrace this film in any way it's got a 72 metacritic it's it's obviously a very well-made film all right um my number four you guys ready yes uh straight out of compton okay. honorable mention all right nope didn't even make that for me oh wow um i know it's i have um music is always been a big part of my life and uh obviously the doors and now straight out compton both music related um biopics but i uh one of the first cassette singles i ever owned was dre day um which is the song that where dr dre basically threatens easy and the music video depicts him um you know killing like easy and the manager at the end of the video and like easy's like working the street corner like with a sign like being silly it's not obviously actually easy. I think they call him Sleazy E or something in the, the video. <laughs> um, and so, like, Dre and Snoop Dogg were easily big influences on me. And I also owned Ice Cube's um, Good uh, Today Was a Good Day uh, cassette single. And those were, like... Such a great song. Yeah, those were on, like, constant repeat. I mean, uh, repeat's not right. Didn't even have to use your AK? Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, it was a good day. Uh, I was a Mama big fan. Mama could work with some no-hog. But... Interestingly enough, while I was a big fan of those two individual artists, I was too young for NWA. Like, I didn't have NWA's music. I knew who they were because of my connection with Dre and and Ice Cube at that point. But I didn't, like, I had never really listened to them until I was older. Um, But not much older. But, like, you know, when I got into Tupac, I started listening back, you know, back to other rap. And I heard NWA. And I was like, wow, this is, they're saying stuff that I don't, I can't rap with. um, Which was most rap music. But, um seeing this story and getting to hear like the the details and just the fact that it even happened uh because of all the tension that there had been for years um i i really loved like every aspect of the movie um we we didn't get to see it in theaters i bought it the week the week it came out and my wife was also really excited about it because she also she grew up listening to it um to NBA, so i'm and, picturing kathy listening to her. i know it, <laughs> she she's uh she's got her different sides and um, this was a movie that we even, even though we knew there was explicit content, we let our daughter watch too, because it was, it wasn't necessarily nostalgic to us, but this was something that we were really into when we were too young. So we did allow her to watch, which was questionable, but you know, she's, she's a smart kid and she's able to discuss things that she's like, what is that? Um, but, uh, 
it's a relatively recent film, but it was one that had a really big impact on me. Um, it was one I really wanted to see. Like if some biopics happen and you're like, oh, I guess that could be interesting. This was one like, oh, I can't wait for them to make this. I really want to hear the story. I want to see um, the story play out. I want to see it. And I think it worked really well cinematically. They did the uh, Paul Giamatti casting as the sleazy agent, um, which is something that I think will be a recurring theme on this episode. Um as Paul Giamatti's really good at playing that that character, um, but yeah, well, he's I, running to the risk of staying and you know being typecast. Yeah, at the risk. Um, oh yeah. I I am a big fan of Straight Outta Compton, so it is my number four. Uh, and I think both of you have seen this, right? Yes. I love this movie. Um, and as soon as it, I I like. Sometimes I get up and I just leave, you know, in the uh credits come on but i sat all the way through because i loved all the different images they were putting on the screen and i was so hyped after watching it that i legit wanted to go buy another ticket and just go back in the theater and watch it again so good so much better than i could have even expected and i love when you i mean i had pretty high hopes for it but when those expectations are still just blown out of the water i think that that's just awesome and that, it, i think that's a great this pick. was actually one of the big um movies that people were upset about when the oscar so white uh trend started mm. um that there mm-hmm. were this movie didn't have enough nominations and i i don't i think it only had one nomination um at the oscars and i'm looking now to confirm that um best writing yeah it got a best writing that was it didn't get a best uh supporting actor best actor um you know even best picture nod and it's it's critically well received um, you know, in fact, a lot of the biopics that we've picked so far have all been really well received critically, and that's not always the case. There are definitely biopics that do get shot down. Like a biopic does not guarantee you a great movie uh, by any means, but it does have a built-in audience, which is always really interesting because obviously fans of the 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 person are going to want to see the story because we always want to know more about the people we are inspired by. In fact. I would love to see an Adam West biopic right now, like you know, set in a specific time of his life, not necessarily. You know, because that's the other thing with biopics. Sometimes it is a very small fragment of their life, and other times it is their whole life, you know, from beginning to end. And sometimes that that hurts the movie. Uh, You're telling too much story, and you're, you know, you're uh, having filler and things like that. So, um, but Straight Outta Compton, I'm glad we all like it. Uh, it, And it's also kind of cool that we all like it, yet it's the only one, it's only on my list where it's the same with Walk the Line. Corey's the only one who has it on her list, but we all like it. So I like how that can happen. Um, I enjoyed it greatly. I was kind of surprised. Well, I shouldn't be surprised that they kind of glossed over the D Barnes thing between Dr. Dre and D Barnes and the violence. Uh, but I mean, still, I mean, it's, it stands well without, because that was not a pretty picture of that time between the two of them. Can, I don't know if you all recall that. I don't. And I really want to know, because Eminem references that in one of his songs, um, the role models when they are, the, they're acting as the, oh, I think it's called guilty mm-hmm. conscience. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, yep, yep. yeah, he's like, when you did that to D Barnes and I'm, I never knew what he was talking about. <laughs> uh, if I recall correctly, she was a journalist and, uh, he might've taken issue to something she'd written or said, or, and he basically went to choke her out. And, um, Oh, wow. Uh, it, I, I, I'm figuring things were settled out of court or something happened and just kind of moved on. I mean, not going the Chris Brown route because that was a whole mess. Some, I don't know exactly. And so that wasn't even mentioned. 
And there was another part that wasn't mentioned. There was a group of female rappers. I can't. They were never hit big, but I think they were kind of also not even mentioned in the. But mm-hmm. overall, though, it's still. Yeah, I see that. But when not that I'm an NWA expert because I am not. Just knowing, having read, because it was a big deal that the movie film even got made. Because mm-hmm. you know, it's something about culturally to see and he, have seen. You know, those that music be played out because uh, in in suburbs. That's that's a big deal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, or I'll be honest. When I heard Ice T's Body Count, I'm like, what is this? I had no, you know, because I knew Ice T from Colors and a couple other songs, uh, and uh, Body Count just blew my mind. Have you have you heard? Uh, I think it was called <laughs> There Goes the Neighborhood, or just the, the actual song Body Count. That was a big deal, and. I don't yeah. think I've listened to Ice T as much. I remember knowing who he was, obviously. Um, I don't remember getting into him as a rapper. I I knew him more of an as an actor actually. Um, growing up, than I did. Yeah, as- same. When when you get a chance, dig up Body Count. I think it's There Goes the Neighborhood Body Count song itself. Okay. My mind was blown, and it, it, it's hard rock. Oh, he interesting. Metal. Yeah, and I'm like, well, whoa. Hold on, didn't he do like? I don't want to say duet, but didn't he in, uh, was it the late 90s or early 2000s? He did. Oh, my gosh. Uh-oh. I feel like I'm going nuts uh, now. Are you talking uh, the one? Uh, I might have been with Perry Farrell. Is, is it Cypress Hill? No. Was that with Ice-T? No. Um, no. Cypress Hill were, did do a, a rock album. Like a rock. They did a well, rock they, version and a, a well, rap there, version. In a rap version. I remember that video. Yeah. Well, Never there mind. Was a, there was Disregard what I'm saying. There was, no, there was an album. And I want to say it's Ice T and Perry Farrell where they're going, and I, I can't even really say the name of the song uh, unless we hit the explicit rating uh, oh. back and forth. Because Body Count was on the original Lollapalooza lineup, uh, and th- there was a combination. I want to say like, um, oh gosh, their name escaped me. Anthrax and another Public you know, Enemy like a rap. Yes, yeah, there we go. Yep. And it was a what whole is album. It? Public Enemy Anthrax and Anthrax. And Public Enemy. Oh, okay. they were the first rap and, rock crossover. Well, and I think they did a whole themed album that way. Yeah, they did. I, I rap rock was my like go to because I started with rap music. Like my entry point into music was like the Ghostbuster soundtrack, and then um, <laughs> and then uh, I got into rap music when I was very young. Um, like I said, I uh, Dr. Dre, Ice Ice um, Cube, and then uh, Warren G came out, and I was really into Renegade and. Um, like those were uh that's where i started and then i got into like punk rock with green day which i I know not everyone considers punk rock but that was what i called it when i was a kid and from that limp biscuit is what got me into metal music because limp biscuit bridged the gap for me um big time in a lot of ways i know that's not a popular thing to say because most people hate limp biscuit i still rep them I, i know fred durst is a piece of crap in most cases but he made music that really worked for me especially on the three dollar bill y'all album and then um, he got me into other bands because of that. So um, that's way too much. Let's focus on the movies, guys. Let's go to number three <laughs> for Mike. Uh, what do you have for number three, Mike? Well, it's funny you mentioned punk rock because hashtag uh, not my punk rock. Um, Gary Oldman, uh, this is another appearance on my list. He's actually on my number five, but we can't talk about that yet. Uh, in this 89% fresh 7.1 IMDb rating. Sadly, no Metascore because it's from 1986. Sid and Nancy. Mm. 
Oh, the silence means I'm a winner. So, <laughs> yep. so far, uh, at this point, even though we've glossed over my number five, I'm three for three in the Tragic Tales list. Uh, the story of Sid Vicious and Nancy Spongeon <laughs> is is definitely something that's I I, I kind of said a decidedly punk twist on the Romeo and Juliet story because they were punk rock's Romeo and Juliet really, and seeing the impetus of uh, Sex Pistols and their eventual implosion with Sid and Nancy in along for the whole of the ride is something that's going to burrow into your brain. Uh, you follow them along the ultimate outcome that really. I mean, the guy called himself Sid Vicious. He really should be no surprise. And I know people have said that he's was, a, you know, a kinder, gentler, but I guess there are things that drugs do to you, and he ended up... Are you all familiar with the whole story? I mean, enough. I know that he's he died okay. prematurely, um, but no. Yes. I, I've, I've, this is now a movie I would desperately want to watch, actually. Um, I've, yeah, I've well, I mean, that... More familiar. That any of the Sex Pistols lasted as long because Johnny Lydon is still around. Johnny Rotten, yeah. Johnny Rotten, but uh, I'll, I'll listen to some Public Image Limited for sure. And my wife's like, oh, and she'll recognize some of the songs, but not because that's just what I've been listening to for so long. Um, I probably very likely gravitated toward this because Alex Cox worked on one of my other picks, Repo Man. From way back when, my one of my favorite Emilio Estevez movies, which again fed it, fed my punk uh, sensibilities. Uh, it definitely would make a tough, amazing double feature. If you haven't, Repo Man's currently on uh, Xfinity for free to watch. Oh, okay. So if you haven't watched that yet, d- dig it up. It's definitely rough around the edges, but it's just... And just to clarify, this is not the Jude Law Repo Man. No, 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 no. <laughs> nothing at all. That That is, I don't even know, because when I saw that, I'm like... And what is this? And then Repo the Genetic Opera, which they say are not associated, so I'm like, but are very similar in themes. Repo Man is actual Repo Man, you know, going after cars, not organs. Um, interesting note, uh, an appearance by Courtney Love, so 86, a very young Courtney Love. Whoa. I feel played so well in the Milos Foreman films that she was involved in, People vs. Larry Flint, and man on the moon if you have not been initiated into either of those um i mm, i have issues but performance wise and those two and this one is i think it's more of a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing but she was in there she really really vied to be nancy spongeon but that they they went with i can't remember who played nancy spongeon but and then the version of frank sinatra's because there's a sid vicious version of my, my way must watch so yeah if you haven't seen this this might be harder to find um but at least you can start with uh, Repo Man. Uh, it's very clever. But Sid and Nancy. Yeah, it's one I've never seen, but I def- now I, I very much want to watch. And this seems like it'd be right up your alley, Corey. Have you seen it? I haven't, but I want to. I win, 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 win. Liked I uh, weird, weird. But age thirteen, fourteen, I really liked the Sex Pistols. I was late on listening to them. I uh, I watched the film before I really listened to. Uh, anarchy in the uk and uh never you know any of that well me, i listened to actually pil before i listened to sex pistols i worked backwards it's interesting though um that music is clearly important to all three of us um as i think most of not all of but most of our picks so far have been music related um i i don't know that i've i definitely know some sex pistol songs but uh old, like true punk um i have not really 
listened to, I don't think. I've always been more of the pop-punk type of music, which that's in my time period, uh, Green Day. Then I got into Blink-182 a lot. I still love Blink. Um, we'll get you into Black Flag and Rollins, sir. Well, now, I, I do like – we've we've discussed Henry Rollins. I don't know – I have not listened to enough of his older stuff. Uh, I know Liar uh, because of Beavis and Butthead. But um, it was funny because yeah, 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 yeah. I, I told you we watched Pump Up the Volume the other day, and while uh, – they're doing like the showing you his room scene, you know, like most movies to, to get to know the character. <laughs> there is a cassette tape with Henry Rollins written on the side. And I was like, oh, crap, Henry Rollins. Um, and my wife was like, oh, I love Henry Rollins. And I just kind of looked. And my I'm wife. Like, I was like, really? And, um, you know, she immediately, I love the liar song. I was like, ah, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like uh, me. <laughs> see, see, well, um, that's why I kind of played it when we, where was it? We go with the celebration. I kept yep. it on. Yeah. And that was only a partial part. Because I lost a lot of my Henry Rollins collection. Yeah, it's um, I want to explore more into that punk genre. I feel like it's in my my alley. And uh, Green Room um was a really mm-hmm. great oh, example yeah. of it too. Um, a movie that I can't praise enough and keep pushing on everybody. I l- literally made a coworker I think sick. Uh, not <laughs> not physically sick, but I I spoke about really Jeremy. So I about it. I she asked me one. She said I like suspenseful movies, and I was like, oh, then you should watch Green Room, <gasps> and that ended the her. Me of suspense. Yeah, well, then she then she had to listen to like a five minute diatribe of why Jeremy Saulnier is so great, and then Macon Blair as well. So, um, Corey and I are starting the official <laughs> or unofficial Jeremy Saulnier fan club. So get, in, club. get Would in. you like a button drop, uh, <laughs> Mike? <laughs> they make buttons. <laughs> we need Do buttons. they? Corey's I'm gonna, gonna make, make them. them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm gonna buy a button maker just to make these buttons. So fans, Let's do it. We'll be like, <laughs> no. we'll be like uh, Reese Witherspoon in Election. We'll have a vote for Jeremy Donner. <laughs> um, yes. All right, Corey, we're going to you. What's your number three? Dun dun dun. My number three is from 2007. It is Control. Okay. Wow. Okay. Nice point. Okay. Okay. Um. So this is directed by Anton Corbin, and I. What I didn't realize how deeply ingrained in music that he is as a director, because um, I was going through not too long ago. I think we were talking about him as a director on one of these episodes, and he has done m- mostly music videos for his career. But um, this particular movie follows the rise to fame of Joy Division and lead singer Ian Curtis's struggle um, that ultimately led to him committing suicide at the age of 23. And I believe it was on the eve of their first American tour. Yeah. Yep. It's great. Um, it is such a good movie. Um, just watching these musicians try to struggle and be a part of everyday life when they know that that's not what they're really meant for. Um, it follows something else kind of interesting is his wife, they got married early and had a baby and they tried to do normal jobs and all that stuff. And she believed that he was having an affair with a journalist, but this journalist always, um, I'm forgetting her name right now. She always denied it. Even after he was dead. Um, she was, she, she states that she was, legitimately just um kind of following their career and trying to write on the band and stuff but i just think it's a great movie if you even remotely like joy division which if you only like them a little bit i think you're wrong um i just think it's such a great movie i wish i would have saw it in theaters i've not i'll be honest i'm aware of it i haven't watched it um because it's tough um 
You've actually it is. helped me change. You've actually helped me change my list because there's I would have missed one, and my number two has just oh. been changed um, because of this, and it reminded me. And there'll be a reason. You'll see why. Um, the, the Ian Curtis story is just heartbreaking. I, I, never do you see a group survive the suicide of of a, a, mem- a band member. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't happen, and yet they spawned New Order, who were huge. <laughs> uh, Bernard Sumner, Peter Hook, Julian. Julian Gilbert, Julian. I always forget the other two because, oddly enough, that's the name of their side uh, group. That the the two that were not Bernard Sumner and Peter Hook are. Um, they call themselves the other two because I always forget their names. Uh, um, uh, just yeah, just a heartbreaking story. They in that that's very true and i don't remember where i read it or maybe it was in the movie but they said that if anything ever happened to one of their band members they would not keep calling themselves joy division that they were they going did. to change their name yeah yeah. yeah yeah and then new order went on to have their own really great fame but either way both great bands and such a good movie i have not seen it um I'm even gonna go a step farther, and I don't know either of the bands. <gasps> um, so, oh, yeah, I just died. I can't. Broken. Even what? What genre would you say their music falls into? Ooh. Um, I would say Joy Division helped get goth going eventually. Okay. Uh, definitely, all people will say post-punk. the alternative. Yeah, post punk for sure. It's tough to. I mean, you can say New Order is electronic. Uh, it, people i hate that, that alternative label they definitely went um the more synthy dancey mm-hmm. route from oh yeah dance you could say dance um then that makes sense why yeah. i don't know them that's neither are in my wheelhouse um not to say that that's bad i'm just like those are not genres that i generally uh find myself in so um it would Which make is... sense why i'm not familiar with them it's not to say i, I the names sound familiar but no not not like um they don't feel it doesn't feel as iconic as other bands that i've heard you know like <gasps> hey i'm not oh. saying they're not i'm saying when it you just, say the name it doesn't now hold on i like M- mike i i your music you're very eclectic with your music taste Corey. you tend to like things that i've never heard of <laughs> like <laughs> okay fine i was also thinking while we're kind of talking this through about this movie and these two bands is it so interesting because joy division was it 79 i'm forgetting right. when ian curtis passed away but so um, interesting they go from like that the the very different music genres for the very different like decades yeah. Yeah, it's like boom, late 70s, boom, 80s. Uh, May 18th, 1980. 1980. Okay. So that's very I just, close. Yeah. But, so right. that's my number 3. Well, you get to talk again here in a second Corey cuz my number 3 is Love and Mercy. Um my number 3 is Love and Mercy from 2014. Uh stars Paul Dano, John Cusack, Elizabeth Banks, Paul Giamatti again as a sleazy manager type character. Um and uh, let's see here if anybody else worthy of notes. Um, not seeing anybody popping out. Um, there's, I'm sure they're all somewhat famous, but they're not big names initially, at least. I'm not recognizing them from other stuff. But um, I saw this movie um, after hearing about it. Uh, I think from DLM, I think I heard about Love and Mercy. And I got to say, I've always known who the Beach Boys were, right? Like, 
the Beach Boys were the surf guys. You know, they had the surf songs, and um, they were on Full House from time to time, you know. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Jesse was a big fan. In fact, John Samos still uh, plays with them uh, now, apparently. Um, and so I, I knew who the Beach Boys were, but it wasn't until Love and Mercy that I really knew who the Beach Boys were. Um, the, I, I didn't know hardly anything about Brian Wilson. I didn't know about any of his troubles. I didn't know about his mental health issues. And I... Um, just the story alone was so compelling and so interesting. And then you get into the performances. Paul Dano is, has become one of my favorite actors, um, throughout. I, I, I really, really enjoy him and this performance is fantastic. And I've been a John Cusack fan since I saw High Fidelity, I think. Um, and then went back and saw a bunch of his other movies, but High Fidelity was my entry point, um, for so many reasons. In fact, it is the inspiration for the top five list, uh, structure, um, and, um, Love and Mercy, not only, again, does it have those great things, but it's a great movie. It's got a nonlinear structure. So rather than going from young Brian Wilson to old Brian Wilson, uh, we're flashing back and forth between the two in a way that makes perfect sense. Paul Dano plays young Brian Wilson. John Cusack plays old Brian Wilson. And we get both stories um, kind of simultaneously. You see how the band is doing and how Brian was kind of isolated and how he wanted to be left alone. And then as an adult, you see how he's being manipulated and controlled and... Um, it's a sad story, and then it ends with a really with some. I think, if I'm not mistaken, there's uh, perf- uh, some of the performance that he did um, for. Um, I think "Love and Mercy" is the name of the album, and it's super. Um, you know, it's really cool to get to see actual Brian Wilson now, and it gave me a new respect for the music that I had never thought about, and and just the genius that Brian Wilson is. Um, so that's my take on "Love and Mercy." It's why it's my number three. Corey, you had it at your number five, correct? Yep. Um, I, oh, I appreciated the, um, kind of the way that they portrayed his mental illness throughout the movie. Yeah. Also, um, I feel like that can be a very touchy subject, um, especially to kind of portray, I don't want to say accurately because obviously it means something different to everyone, but, um, I just re I really enjoyed it um, and agree with you. Uh, Paul Dano was perfect and John Cusack is John Cusack. Um, I really enjoyed Elizabeth Banks in this. Yeah. And um, I got to see Brian Wilson a few months ago, guys, and it was just oh, so great. I didn't realize that. And That's he, awesome. Yeah. He played Pet Sounds from beginning to end and he closed out his show with an encore of Love and Mercy. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it was a treat. Um, but I just think this is a great, great movie. If you, um, same, if you even aren't that familiar with the Beach Boys, which um, I really wasn't, but Kokomo is the first song that yeah. I learned all the words to. Oh, that's funny. Oh, oh. Mm, uh, mm, it's but mm. stop. It was on the radio. And there's a recording mm. of me on cassette somewhere singing Kokomo. Oh, and when snap. I'm rich and famous, I will yeah, find it's on that cassette, cassette. guys. Um, my grandma, you know where she lives. Uh, I watched a documentary, um, which I told Corey to watch. It's about music therapy called Alive Inside. It's on Netflix. Um, and that after watching it, um, one, it, it I cried for like almost the entire hour and a half that the movie's on. Um, it is. Oh God, I hate crying. Uh, you know what? It was cathartic as I'll get out to be honest. Um, <sighs> and uh, I, it, it's I'm not going to get into too much specifics, but. Um, they a lot of the music they were playing throughout the film were, were older songs, and they played a couple of Beach Boy songs. And I ended up uh, getting on my my phone afterwards and listening to. Uh, I made a play uh, like a station, a station of Beach Boy songs. It started with, and then it, it ended up 
Beatles showed up at some point, and then I was like, man, I really now I just want to listen to Beatles, and I I listened to like the whole one album, you know, where it's just like their number ones. Um, I haven't listened to that in a, a while now, but I was just I sat there listening to it, um, playing video games while just listening to this music, and it was, um, it's something like because I I do get lost in a lot of modern stuff. I, I I tend to fall like listen to the more current stuff, um, frequently, and even if you look at my list here, my first movie was ninety one, but my last two were from two thousand fifteen, two thousand fourteen. Um, and I, I won't lie, my next two are in the 2000s as well. Um, and so I do have a, this proximity thing. Things that are newer tend to appeal to me more. But uh, going back and listening to, to Beach Boys and listening to the Beatles, it just, man, it just really relaxed me and, and gave me a great appreciation again of how, how great, you know, music can transcend and film can transcend time, you know, so much. And uh, Love and Mercy, last I looked, was on Amazon Instant to stream for free if you have Prime. Um mm-hmm. So if it's still there, that's how I caught it. And you, you've seen it, Mike. So what, what were your thoughts on the movie? I just sat entranced by it. I'm a John Cusack fan, and I mm-hmm. liked how they, because Paul Dano was not someone I recognized, and the way they interchanged between the two, uh, it just, and then Giamatti's in there again, and that kind of Weasley role. Yep. That he's very, uh, I wouldn't say it's detracting. I mean, that's they need someone for the role, and he seemed to he, be the person for it. Um, he nails that though, it, man. Like, every yeah, time. yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's good at it, so it's, just, it's a danger because he may, you know, end up well, he's, being given that only. If you've seen John dies at the end, he has a he's not a manager, but he still has a sleazy reporter character in that movie. Um, I mean, he even it's, it's hard to get out of that because even sideways, um, there's that there's an element of sleaze in that movie to me with that character where you're just like, oh, this guy. I don't know what it is. Um, he just plays that role really, really well. Um, there's yeah, always that n- nervous edge about him where he just always seems like he's ready to have a, a nervous breakdown. Oh, and Rock of Ages. He also plays uh, Stacey Jax's manager um, and is the same way. Like, it's it's that same thing. Man, seeing that, I, I think that's a problem. But I, uh, Hey, man, he's getting good work. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he's getting well, down. See, I haven't seen any of those, but... Um, before I forget, because I cannot remember the name of the documentary, but you got to see the process, the recording process of that album. Uh, and just to see Brian Wilton, just all of them working on it was, I've watched that documentary at least three times since Wait, which album? it's been on cable. Pet Shop? Uh, uh, Pet Sounds. I Pet Sounds, sorry. Oh, wow. I need, to, I need to see that. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, yeah, it's it's and when they get to the part where they record God only knows, I'm like, wow. And just the musicianship, the way they put it together. I, I can't even conceive of how, you know, just what they did to put, you know, because they're breaking out from just the surf music. And so it, it's Corey, I know you were trying to interject into into that. I can't even remember what I was going to say. Sorry. All right, so we can go to my number two? Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's go to your number right, two. Cool. Which I, and, and if I apologize, I know someone heard some clicking there. I think I was furiously trying to type up and get the information because uh, my original number two, I will mention it, it's gotten d- dumped down. I had a, a definite association to uh, ooh, uh, 1973 Serpico, but I switched it because I cannot even believe I didn't include this. The inclusion of Control... On your list, Corey, definitely reminded me because this one is one that I praised, and I hope, I hope, I still have my DVD copy of it. Uh, 86% fresh rating, 7.4 IMDb score, 85 meta score. 
It is 2004's 24-Hour Party People, the story of the factory record label. Very timely because um, Steve Coogan plays Tony Wilson, who in 1976 began that label, which would eventually highlight Manchester music. And um, they there is the reference of the be of seeing the Sex Pistols for the first time. It was uh, such a small crowd. Morrissey from the Smiths was there. Uh, Martin Hammett, who was play, played this producer, is played by an unrecognizable Andy Circus. If you watch, if you get a chance to watch this, or even just look it up, it's like how is that Andy Circus? Because if you See you know see them now. That is, I don't know how they did the role and just spot on. I didn't even realize and until now. I'm looking at it. Lenny James, who's currently on The Walking Dead, yep, was one Morgan. of the supporting. Yeah, um, one of the supporting roles. But Steve Coogan playing Tony Wilson uh, as the journalist because he had a, a show on te- television and kind of parlayed that into making factory records and records and eventually basically running it into the ground. And he kind of shot himself in the foot because he's he being the different thinker that he is. He's like, I don't want contracts. And okay. um, Simon Pegg's in this movie as a journalist, by the way. What? Yeah. So many. There's so many people. So many of the actual musicians, whether they were in the Happy Mondays, the Stone Roses, um, Scritti Politti, all these different obscure little groups. Well, obscure to some, are in it. Um, and it's just so cool to see. Because they even they even make a point of highlighting it. He, he's def, I, I would say he's kind of like a Deadpool of of the music industry because the the way he breaks the fourth wall throughout the whole film is amazing, uh, and it just flows so smoothly. There's even a part in the film near the end where it goes into kind of a very yes. Monty Python esque kind of deal where he sees a UFO. But uh, there's just they and the Ian Curtis part because he was involved with them. And then eventually New Order uh, played a part, and then it focused on the Happy Mondays and the Mad Chester kind of thing, where they had more of the ecstasy, kind of the ecstasy-laden raves and whatnot. Just the whole process—it's re- it's it's like a really entertaining history, music history lesson, and um, that I even missed it. And I'm glad you mentioned Control because I would have—I I didn't even have it in my honorable mentions, and it, it, it's worth. It's funny how that I, I, I needed, Yeah, that's that's a nice. Uh, serendipitous moments because uh, not nearly enough. I don't even remember how I ran into it. And I'm like, mm, that sounds interesting. Cause I think I remembered the movie title is called from a happy Mondays song. I'm like, hmm. and I, you've talked about this movie before, before and I yes. totally forgot and I'm adding it. I want to find an actual physical copy though. Yes. Um, because I'm like looking for it, and it looks like it's out of print now, and all I can get is streaming, so I'll have to look for it secondhand probably. Yeah, that's why, I, that's but, why I'm hoping I still have my copy, because I remember lending it out, and if I haven't gotten back, I really hope whomever has it has taken care of it, because it's hard to find. I'm pretty interested, though, because it looks like it's actually maybe based off of a book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would be super interested in reading the book. Ooh, I will be interested in watching the movie. Um, All right. <laughs> Uh, neither Corey nice. and I have seen this, but um, it, it, I'm intrigued Win, by it. Winning, 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 yeah. winning. Yeah, you won Tiger a while blood. ago. I called three. I haven't seen any of your movies. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you, you stumped me, even though I thought I was like, oh, I've seen so many biopics. Um, not the ones you've seen, apparently. So, uh, uh, New kids in the corner going, ah. 
<laughs> All right, Tommy I think Boy. Mike tries to trick us. Um, yeah, I think Mike. I, se- looks... I sent you my animated GIF of the Grinch grinning. Yes, you did. Um, <laughs> all right, Corey, what is your number two? This is where I think we'll also have overlap, John Furk. It is 2015 Steve Jobs. Uh, stop. <laughs> yes. And okay. We'll move into my number two then, um, which, of course, ruins my thunder for the next one. But um, my number two I knew it was gonna be your number one. is 2010's uh, The Social Network. Debated. Debated. Put it um, I did, too. Honorable mentions. So when this movie was announced, the Facebook movie, right? I had zero interest in this film. Um, I never realized who the director was, David Fincher, who uh, did Fight Club and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Seven and, and just so many great movies. The Game, Zodiac. Um, uh, man, I'm blanking on a more recent one for some reason. But um, I, I saw this by chance um, when I was losing weight and I was actively going to the gym about seven years ago. It was uh, there's a room at Gold's Gym where they show movies and they have treadmills and stuff. And I walked in and it was about halfway through when I walked in. But I was so intrigued by the social network that I went and bought it and went home and watched it. Um, and since then, I've seen it. It's In fact, on this list, my first three films I've only watched one time. I've seen the social network at least five, maybe more. Um Anytime it's on, I end up watching it. I just have to watch it. Yeah, yep. it's Jesse Eisenberg is so great in this movie, and Andrew Garfield's amazing. Uh, Timberlake when he plays, um, uh, I'm forgetting the, the guy's name, but who Sean, Par- Sean, Sean Parker, Parker found Napster. Um, Rooney Mara is great in it. Who I keep forgetting she's even in that movie because she's so just yes. a part uh, of it. Um, I, the story's so compelling. It's, Rashida Jones. Rashida Jones has an interesting role. How she plays it. Some of some amazing quotable lines. You know, it's like you have uh, the smallest amount of, of my attention that I can. Whatever. I don't even remember how he says. It. I just remember going, "Holy crap!" This guy's insignificant. Yeah, yeah. He's such such a donkey. Yeah, and he's uh, since then he's really tried to clean up his image, and um, I just like you see, like you almost feel you feel sorry for him. And Rashida Jones is the audience surrogate in that movie for without question. Like she, she feels sorry for him, but also thinks he's a jerk. But still, like she sees that he's he's lost. Like he's like a little boy who doesn't know how to behave, and yet he's a genius. You know, he's this super smart guy who's done these amazing things, but his behavior is off. And I've heard like recently, in fact, that he's made a lot of strives to clean up his image and he's tried to be a better person and things like that, which, you know, I am a Facebook user. I, I use it all. I've used it for a long time. I, I don't see not using it. Um, there are people who are like, oh, Facebook's old. I, I still like Facebook. I, I still prefer it as my social media choice. Like I like Twitter and I like Instagram or whatever, but Facebook to me, it's just, it's just easier. It's just, everything's right there. And um, this story is so compelling. It's so interesting. Uh, Arnie Hammer. I almost forgot Arnie Hammer as the, the Winklevoss twins. Um, cause he's playing both of them <laughs> and, um, he's, he's great in that movie. He's so, so, so good. And I, I, every time it's on, I will sit and watch it. I, I'm looking at my copy of it on my shelf. I, I love this movie. Um, and when I think biopic, it's, it's so interesting and it's, it's so relevant, you know, it's current. Like even when it came out, it's 2010. I mean, Facebook had been a public like site for like two years when this movie came out. So it it was written and made so quickly and uh, so timely when it came out, and it's still relevant now. I mean, it's 2017, and Facebook is still a thing. Even if it's not as popular as it was, it's still relevant. It's not like MySpace, which is completely phased out, you know. Um, yeah, but uh, this is my number two, The Social Network. I, I debated 
include, like I said, it's some of my honorable mentions. I just wanted to highlight some of the lesser known, my, you know, my babies that are the obscure ones that need the attention that mm-hmm. they need. And, um, yeah, overall, I almost want to say as far as biopics, almost perfect. It's um, great. They, they, they don't gloss over the ugly side because some oh, of the stuff he did and, you know, just if it's anywhere close to reality, yeah. every time I see him, I'm like, mm, I know, mm, I feel like I know a little about you. That scene between um, Timberlake and Garfield is like, I like being in the Ooh. room with you. Yeah. It makes me feel tough. And just because he didn't have to do that. And if that happened, well, I mean, it did. His, his shares were diluted to an infinitesimal. I mean, he was, yeah. he, he should have been more careful. He should have known better business wise. I mean, cause that, that was, you know, his, his arena. Yeah. And yet he still got screwed over. And, um, you know, Sean Parker is, it's interesting how some of the people that, that are so successful can do what they do. And he, Sean, mm, he is, seems like mm, yeah because yeah. he's been in and around and, and ended up having the problem and which they and that's the thing some of these ugly the ugliness is not glossed over well that's, it's included and highlighted that's a benefit of the director too because fincher has never been one to shy away from the dark side of humanity Absolutely. um mm-hmm. and i mean that's and so I, many and, of his films it, 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 and, and and like i brought it up with straight out of compton it it makes it better and i don't know what if it would have painted a such a perfect picture of NWA or Dr. Dre, because that's who the incident was. But in this case, I mean, the whole film, the whole story is about that. So you almost have to include it. Yeah. And uh, it's, I, I don't know. I, I love this movie. And again, I I had slept on this movie. I had no interest in this whatsoever. I think if I had realized it was David Fincher, I probably would have had more interest. But um, I was just like, how compelling can the story be? I mean, how be? that works. Yeah. And again, I don't even and know how why. compelling is it? Yeah, yeah, it's so compelling. And I don't, I don't even know why I would have thought I wouldn't like this because I do like a lot of the more traditional, like programming based, like you know, like the normal computer biopics, like the like Pirates of Silicon Valley. I like that mm-hmm. movie a lot, and it was a TV movie. I've I talked about it. Um, I think last week we talked about it for some reason, um, or maybe it was on Movie Club. I don't remember for sure. I know I just talked about this movie. And um, that's much more like there's drama, but it's still way more laid back than what this movie. This movie creates tension. Like there is moments like when he's sitting in the courtroom where you're just like, God, God, what's going to happen? And like, you know what happens? You Facebook's kinda... a thing. <laughs> yeah, but you still want to punch him in the face, or at least mm. I do. Yeah, no, um, totally. I, I saw this movie at a second run theater. Oh, and wow. yeah, a friend and I go to movies and. It, it seems like a thing that we always pick out bad movies. Spice. Um, so going into this one, I think that we were both expecting it to be bad because that's what we do on accident. And I remember that even in the second run theater, I don't remember how long it had been there, but the theater was so packed that we had to sit in the very front row. I oh, wow. do not. I don't like packed theaters i actively avoid them Mm -hmm. i do not sit in the front row that is blasphemy and even with my neck hurting and i have my face like tilted straight up it was so it just had my attention the whole time yeah yeah so good yeah it really is and uh, like mike said this is maybe an obvious pick but i I, i'm not like i did include love and mercy i I mean maybe it's obvious it's it's um 
Well, to be it fair, it fits I'll... perfectly. It's such a good example. Per- I want to almost say a perfect example. It's got a it's 95 on, on Metacritic. Yeah, um, yeah, for good reason. And it, good reason. it won. Uh, it won for best writing. Um, with Aaron Sorkin, who Aaron Sorkin is an amazing writer. Oh, um, yeah. Jeez, um, this is like a lightning in a bottle. Yeah. kind of thing. You will never get something like this again. It won for best editing and then best achievement in music. Well, that's the other. The soundtrack to this movie is really impressive. Like the score for the film when you're listening Men to it. Nails, right? It's just uh, I I did not know that, but that's is that who it is. I thought that Trent Reznor. Oh yeah, uh, it is. I, the, I didn't yeah, even read the name. Soundtrack. Yeah, it's right there. It's uh, Trent Reznor, say, Atticus Ross. Yeah, and, and it's. Feel... A... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I feel like it's people that you wouldn't really expect to be involved in a project mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm, yep. And I mean, it's a Facebook movie. It doesn't seem well, like. You know what David, I mean? It's not like. David I don't Fincher know. and Trent Reznor have had that relationship since Seven because I think they helped each other out at that point. Ooh, oh, I think you. Interesting. So. Um, and I also, given the hurt I put on the chicken uh, population the other day, I should feel a close affinity to this because, you know, the did, whole chicken did deal. Did you feed chicken to chicken? No, I fed me some chicken, sir. Remember, I had to get you to oh, go yeah. there. Oh, yeah. I was, dude, while I was on my crazy adventure, like, to craziness yesterday, I was like, <laughs> at some point, I was like, we should have just went and got chicken. And Kathy's like, was that an option? <laughs> <laughs> Kathy was like, you guys. <laughs> Excuse me. Dude, dude, Jimmy and I sat there till like uh for like two and a half hours, man. We were just shooting the breeze. Eat like eating the whole two hours or just shooting the breeze? I would hope not, but I wasn't <laughs> hungry. I wasn't hungry for dinner. <laughs> um, I just guys, you have Publix right down the road. Well he was at KFC buffet. Uh, I was at KFC I buffet. I saw Yeah. If I could have fried chicken, I'd have Publix. Publix yeah, is good. I love Publix, but I can only get eight pieces yeah. <laughs> for about the same price. So no word. <laughs> that's that's so a there we good go. point. All right, and uh, then I hit another buffet today. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, if you go to another one, you gotta hit me up. Um, number two. Uh, nope, that's not. That was my number two. The social network. We're going to Mike's number one. What do you got, bud? All right, I'm headed way back to 1966. 82% fresh, 7.9 IMDb score. Sadly, because of its age, no Metascore rating. 1966's A Man for All Seasons. Okay. Crickets. Crickets. Hey, we said the same thing. (laughs) Uh, The tale of Sir Thomas More is probably likely not familiar to some of our listeners or some of our uh, film viewers, but I feel it's an outstanding telling of a person who's so principled to not yell to, even to the king of England who's forcing his hand to do so. Uh, You just don't find this type of character it's, it's rarely found. Um, you know, and typically someone will be, well, it's such a little thing, and they'll kind of let, let, it, let it slide. But in this case, the little thing was, a couple little things, was King Henry VIII was really pushing for an annulment uh, to his ma- uh, for his marriage to Catherine of Aragorn, Aragorn um, as well as, uh, as he was making a push to be the supreme head of the Church of England. Both things Sir Thomas More refused. He wouldn't have anything to do with it because in himself he knew that this, you know, he just wasn't granting it. And the, the king is asking, not so much, I think asking for show, which is interesting. I mean, it's a timely concept given the current political climate because I think there's some interesting parallels. I don't want to get too political. It's not quite on the same levels, I suppose. Because, you know, someone's trying to push certain things as if they have <laughs> ultimate on. Un- impeachable powers 
And so it makes sense. And it, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I'd like to watch it again. Kevin Smith quoted um, the one line. Uh, it was a while back on HBO. Why, Richard, it profits a man nothing to give his soul for the whole world, but for whales. And I forget who he was because he was having an interaction and uh, they kind of he and someone else bonded over it. And it reminds me, I don't know if you all are familiar with a guy named Toby Mack. He's been at uh, uh, oh. the universe, Night of Joy. But there's a line, uh, uh, the single's called Lose My Soul. And he's like, very kind of simplified version. I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul. And kind of goes from there. It's really kind of heavy stuff, a really strong message. And I guess I need to go off to my room to be alone with my principles. Um, I want to watch this movie a whole lot because, one, Henry VIII is played by Robert Shaw who I love as Quint in Jaws. Oh, um, my gosh, yeah. And Orson Welles is in this movie, so another oh. uh, uh, big big name. Yeah, some real heavies. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, a, I'm imagining a very young John Hurt is in this movie. Um, yeah, because 66, that was a yeah, long... That's what I'm saying. He's got to be, like, super young. Um, but I, I'm a, I love Quint. Quint is one of my favorite characters in film ever. Um, and hey, so you, you got to see him. Well, not him, but no, I got, you know. yeah. Um, but I, I have not, I don't think I've seen many other Robert Shaw movies. So this one's now high up on my list of things I need to try to get to see. Um, so very interesting. Uh, one I've not always glad to serve. Yes. The one I, as, as per usual with Mike, one I've not heard of, but, um, I, I clearly should have because the cast on this is extensive and it's obviously a, a very famous story. I, I do have a, like, we're going to eventually be doing a top five period piece film, um, oh. list and uh, not that's not our next list, but eventually we will. And I can see this coming up again. But period pieces like this, I tend to avoid. Um, I don't know if it's the costuming that it's just like hard to, like to sit through because like I can't believe people dress like this. Like I know they did, but it's so hard to watch. Um, and, well, and it's even the acting style too, and the way it's presented. But I think it holds up. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure it does. And again, that's a preference. Like I, I am actively avoid um the pride and prejudice sense and sensibility those type of books and movies uh they do not appeal to me um i am not saying they are bad it's just not something that i connect with and uh so i could see if i had heard of this movie just looking at like the images just being like mm, probably not something i'm going to get into um but now i want to watch it because of the cast so and your recommendation and Corey, you also have not seen a man for all seasons i have not well, so adding it to her list. Sorry. Unacceptable. Uh, uh, we're adding it to your movie club list. Okay. Oh. <laughs> is it my turn? It is your turn for number one, which I think I know what it is. <gasps> I bet everybody knows. I feel like I should have like trumpets playing in the background. Um, number one is 1996's Basquiat. Um, my dad actually introduced me to this movie. I can't remember how old I was, but I am pretty sure that I initially saw it on HBO or something. Um, I do love the cast of this movie. I love David Bowie as Andy Warhol yes. so much. Yes. Andy Warhol and Basquiat are two of my favorite artists. And if I could just be in the room with a Basquiat one day or just in a building it with one of amazing. his works of art, I would probably just die and there would be a photo of me in the paper. Um, I also, another uh, person that showed up twice in your list now is Courtney Love. She plays a very small part mm -hmm. in this. Very small one, yep. Um, I just, I, it's tragic. I'm not saying that I like support, you know, uh, 
heroin mm. habits or anything like that. But um, I think it's a very compelling story. And we watch him go from being homeless and, um, you know, being a street uh, graffiti artist to kind of being discovered and rising through fame very quickly and at a very early, like very young age. Um, and just a bunch of the... Uh, not, I don't don't even want to just say racism, but um, there's a scene where he goes in to buy oh, caviar yeah. for a party, and they're very rude to him, and they don't want to serve him. And then he just pulls all of this cash out of his pockets and pays for it there. And it's like, ha ha ha! I do, you know. Um, and also, Mike, I don't know if you know about this book, but I think that you would enjoy it a lot. I just read it recently. It's called Widow Basquiat by uh, Jennifer Clements. No, I'm it's not familiar with it, actually. Great. It's all from uh, the point of view of his girlfriend at the time. Why am I now, forgetting her name right now? Would that be Suzanne. the played by uh, Claire For- Forlani? Um, is she Suzanne in that movie? I'm forgetting. I don't remember the character's name, but she was the one that was with her with him through the majority of it. Um, I... Oh, I just love Claire Forlani. I just have to say, I've just got a fawn over her. I feel like... Um, let me pull it up here really fast. I feel like they gave her a different name in the movie. Could, maybe they didn't. Uh, she wasn't. Keen but on. it is based off of her. And I just, I think it's a great movie. Um, but John already mentioned the cast is great. The, this was one that um, was introduced to me by my high school arts friends, I believe. And I'd finished, we'd finished high school already. So somewhere along the line. Uh, yeah, that whole story of him starting off as a street artist, as opposed to as opposed to being like an art school prodigy, regardless of his education, he just the, there was that rawness, and I think they even address it that rawness, that raw quality of it, and it spoke so strongly, and it just stands up. I mean, it 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 was my number five, not because I dislike it, it's just there's so many to pick from, um, and I mean, just you, you mentioned David Bowie, but. This is the other some of the other cast. Um, Benicio del Toro, Dennis Hopper, Claire Forlani, we already mentioned, Carrie Oldman, William Dafoe, Christopher Walken. All Parker these people. Post. This Parker, I've forgotten about her. And um, the, it's a stellar cast. Um, and then kind of addressing, I know for some people, I think there's a correlation between drug use or having some mood-altering substances and their creativity. Um, I Again, I don't. I don't feel like I have the artistic sensibilities, but I have, I would say like a control issue. And I wouldn't, I think that stems from family history where I'm like, I don't want to be a certain way without being, you know, diving into too much, but you can take that as it will. And kind of the thing I was thinking of is, and this is kind of, I think taking from Blade Runner some where it said that the light that which burns twice as bright burns half as long. And, Basquiat was a perfect example of this. It was a sudden success story. It took a toll on him. He paid dearly for it. Oh, man. I feel you should seek this out. Um, obviously, the warning is it's not going to be a happy ending. Yeah. Um, I Not only do I not know this movie, I'm actually not familiar with the artist. Um, I am familiar with Andy Warhol, obviously. Uh, maybe not obviously, but I, I'm, I'm now... 100% intrigued by the story. Uh, one I definitely want to look. The cast is insanely good. Uh, William Defoe, I don't think we mentioned, and Christopher Walken is in this. Um, yeah, yeah. So, 
and I, I meant to say Willem. I always say William Defoe, but I, I know well, yeah, it's... it's that weird kind of. There's a few names like that where I, I always say the more common name that it's like, Ralph, but it's not. Ralph, Ralph Garman <laughs> wouldn't like it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, Rafe Rafe Garman. That's right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that uh, I... interesting pick, guys, because again, that's one I hadn't heard of, and the cast is phenomenal. Boom! Just dropped and knowledge this is... on you. Today, actually, on my drive home from work, I was having such a hard time. I already said I only I had like my three three of my list, and then and it this just like out of nowhere. I don't even remember what I was listening to on the radio. It just like I was like, how did I not initially just think of this, like first off, because it's so great. And again, he died at the age of twenty seven. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Crazy, tragic story. There was a long time that I, period of time where I wondered if I'd make it much past age 25. And I don't know if it would have, you know, having, because I've seen some of my friends and I, I, they, they live way differently than I do. I'm kind of a teetotaler, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I always felt that what's, I guess that's youth is not wondering what well, after 25 what is there and i'm glad i <laughs> you know i didn't stay with that mindset yeah yeah me too um for many reasons uh both for myself and for you but um let's go uh i guess to my number one the last one of the week um and cory i guess this was your number two uh we're talking about the film directed by uh joshua michael stern from 2013 called jobs starring ashton kutcher and <laughs> No, oh no no, no no no! I'm sorry. I'm wrong, sorry, everybody. Wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> Try again. I apologize. That's the wrong <laughs> biopic. Um, it is uh, directed by Danny what Boyle. Is this one that needed, yeah. <laughs> um, directed by Danny Boyle, written by Aaron Sorkin, uh, who also wrote The Social Network. So Ooh. we get a pattern with my uh, taste in these biopics. Um, stars uh, Michael Fassbender, Kate Winslet, and the surprise, who was excellent, Seth Rogen as Steve Wozniak. Ooh, yeah. Um, we also have Jeff Daniels, who's fantastic. Michael Stolberg, uh, Catherine Watterson, who is um, in Alien Covenant, which is out right now. Um, and then uh, it, it is just such a crazily amazing movie. I, I really felt like this movie did not get enough love. Um, not only is the the way this biopic told, it's so unique uh, to the biopic genre, because rather than doing what Jobs did, which was follow Jobs from a certain point in his life till the you know foreseeable end of his life because we if you've been alive for the last several years you know he's passed away. Um, the this film chooses to take three events and we have a very three act structure type film or play very clearly distinctive acts, um, and you get his personality you get the character through these events um, and you get background information but you have these intense stressful dialogue sequences where you're like on the edge of your seat because there's a ticking clock in each of the acts he has a time frame you have this long until you go on and the, the scenes end when it when it gets there but uh, i don't know if you guys know this or not um but not only uh, are they three different time periods as it makes perfect sense because it's three different times in his life but they use the different aspect ratio and a different camera for each of the time periods to give it what? the look. Yeah, this this movie is a cinematic piece of art in so many ways. And it's one of the many reasons why it's my number one. 
um, the amount of detail that went into the film, the the casting, the performances. I mean, Michael Fassbender. No, he doesn't look like Steve Jobs. Let's be real. He is. He becomes him. <laughs> but he, he he embodies the the character. Um, and and then you have uh, you know people dogged on Kate Winslet for her accent, but I I was so blown away when I realized who it was because the first couple of moments I didn't know it was Kate Winslet, and I'm like, well, oh my god, that's. Kate Winslet, the girl who I didn't like in Titanic, not because she's not great in Titanic, but because I don't like Titanic almost out of because spite. Because she killed Jack Dawson. That's right. I, I hate movies about murderers and how they get away. Um, but, you know, no, um, I, I just, I love this movie. And again, when I heard Seth Rogen was cast in a dramatic film, you're like, uh, what? And yet he- But what is this world? When he does his monologue at the end, when he like really rips Holy into Steve Jobs- yeah about you you need to do this you need to, I'm I'm so in and I'm so behind him just like oh my god how can I love Steve Jobs and hate Steve Jobs at the same time like I both adore what he's done and hate him like he's such a jerk throughout the movie but yet you're there's a sympathetic element and the connection to the daughter it, there's so much good in this movie um I I saw this in the theater with my a, a good friend that I go to the movies with quite a bit we went early like we went i think we went like to a like 11 o'clock screening on a saturday or something like that and we were like it was us and then like two old ladies and that was it <laughs> yes um and, but we were both sitting there like on the edge of our seat just like i can't believe this movie's like 90 percent talking and i loved every second but of you it. love dialogue i do Hello, love dialogue. Aaron Sorkin. yes oh exactly but i love good dialogue and there are tons of movies that are 90 yeah. talking where you have bs exposition and you have just pointless conversations and you have like bad delivery this movie is dialogue written like a thriller like you're on the edge of your seat listening to what they're saying and the tension that they build and the conversations and it's just so so good um and obviously at the time i saw this i didn't really make the connection of who danny boyle was i don't know if i even knew he was the director um now i think this is my favorite danny boyle film like i loved I love so many of his movies, mind you. Like I love Trainspotting. I love I love T two. Um, I really love Slumdog Millionaire, which I didn't know that I would love like I did, but I loved that movie. But Jobs, I recently rewatched, and I didn't mean to. It, it was on HBO or something, and it, I had it on. I walked out in the living room like, oh, Jobs is on, or Steve Jobs is on, and I sat down and I was like, I'm just gonna watch a few minutes of it, and the next thing I knew, the movie was over. I'm like, oh, oops, um, I was supposed to be doing stuff, but I just it, it pulled me in and. Uh, I, this on my list even it started I think I had it off the list and then it was like number three or four and then I was just looking at it I'm like this is my favorite I love this movie there's so much great about this film and it's about a, a person that I admire um, you know yet uh, I know he's not great but again I, I mentioned Pirates I've actually seen all three I've seen Jobs I've seen Steve Jobs and I've seen Pirates of Silicon Valley all biopics about him and I even the bad Ashton Kutcher one, there's some interesting scenes in the film that I didn't know about, like his time working with Atari. I didn't know anything about that. And I, I found that scene uh -huh. in Jobs compelling, but that movie's bad. Like it's really bad. And, um, <laughs> but this movie, Steve Jobs, if you, if you slept on it, if you're like, Oh God, another biopic. Like I get why you would think that, but it's, this is not like a normal biopic. The way, uh, Sorkin wrote it and the way Boyle directed it, it's amazing. And I think everyone should see it. With that said, I need to see it. Oh, Mike has not seen this. Uh, yeah, I've only seen the, the bit. There was an interaction between him and the mother and the daughter. And oh, like, uh, the, when she's and a child. Yeah, yeah, that's and I, I'm like, I, I'm like, 
I can't watch this right now. I wanted because having yeah, I, I just couldn't imagine. Did you make it through and the whole so scene like, though? Uh, only no, I don't know that I did. He was still, looking, but I need to watch it. He still looks like a jerk when you left, kind of thing. Yes, he he redeems himself moments into that scene, like quite a bit. Um, and in a way that the way Fassbender delivers the dialogue too, it's just you're just like wow. I hated you like 30 seconds ago and you just made me love you. Like, how did that happen? Um, and I feel like that was him. That's how he kept his relationships. You were always kind of hated him. And yet there was something about him that made you keep doing what he said because there was a, I, enough. But Corey, I feel sorry. Uh, I was going to okay. say, this is your number two. So you gotta, you gotta give us. So there's, this was initially at my number one, mm. but, um, so I love Danny Boyle. I love Michael Fassbender and I'm prepared to do battle with anyone that doesn't believe that he is one of the finest actors, greatest actors of our generation. I haven't seen him in anything that he is just not where he's not great. Um, you slept on Assassin's played, Creed though, Corey. <laughs> I didn't want to go see that. Um, well, I wanted that, to go see it okay. and then I was just like, to, yeah, just to be yeah. the exception to the rule. That's one where, mm. and I was going to go see it. And then you're like, don't go see it. It's horrible. It's and I was going to go see it because I love him and I love Marianne Cotillard and I can't ever pronounce her name. Yes. I love her. Um, yeah. But like I, you, you haven't watched 12 years a slave and I understand the subject matter, but here we are, Paul Giamatti being a D bag again. Um, <laughs> like, nice. I was so glad when I watched Saving Banks, Saving Mr. Banks, or whatever it's called, because finally, after seeing him be a jerk so many times, he finally wasn't a jerk. But um, like, just there are so many great movies with him in it, and I am not interested in Apple. I actively avoid Apple products because I'm not into proprietary proprietary crap. Um, I want to be able to consume my music and my movies and all of my media. I want to be able to consume it however I want to. So to go into this movie and not necessarily be interested in the person, you know what I mean, but still wanting to see it. And I think that I totally agree with you with Seth Rogen. I'm like, what is this guy going to do in this movie? And he blew me away. Yep. So much. So much. Is that within him? Uh-oh, your headphone thing, Mike. Okay. And okay. also with Kate Winslet, I have only seen her in a few films, and she was great in this. And I can't remember what people were saying about her accent. No. Um, I think they just criticized it, it was maybe too, too much. I don't know. I I'm not familiar uh, with the the person um, that she's emulating, so I don't know if it was over the top or not. But I have become a big Kate Winslet fan um, because this movie made me start looking at some of her other films. I I saw Eternal Sunshine after I saw this. Which, you know, I'm a huge fan of Eternal Another Sunshine. One to watch. Yeah, that for sure, Mike. I don't, Corey, you liked it, but you didn't love it, right? I, uh, out of the uh, Kaufman movies we watched, I enjoyed it the most. Probably, the, I enjoyed. Yeah, I'm trying to think of all the ones we watched. Yeah, but, we watched um, a few. Also, yeah. Also, um, I love her in Heavenly Creatures, which I haven't seen oh in a long gosh. time. Wow. Yeah. But like, and I like that she doesn't get pigeonhole pigeonholed into being a particular mm -hmm. character all the time. I The Dressmaker she, um is one of her more oh, recent I, films. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh really recommend. It's so interesting and weird. Um uh, definitely and um I think Chris Hemsworth is in it and there's another couple of big name people in the movie. Um 
it's really interesting and she's fantastic in it like oh man she's so good in the dress the dressmaker that was a, a sleeper indie film that i heard about through battleship pretension um and i watched on amazon and, prime not too long ago and it's great and i love that she does like she does do big blockbuster movies but then she'll go and do a smaller project mm-hmm. and she doesn't like lose her credibility because sometimes no. actors and actresses do depending on you know but um i love this movie and I wasn't expecting to go in and be, you know, so blown away by it. Yeah. Yeah. I went in um, with, like, my friend and I went and saw, because The Martian came out, like, within a week of this. So, like, we had, we saw The Martian in the morning the same way that we saw this movie. And um, we we were trying to hit all, like, the, what was clearly Oscar bait, because when it came out, it was, like, October, November or something when it came out. Um, And this one, I was so just shocked at how great it was. Like, I, I was everything about it like the way it was shot the way it's it's um the story is told and and again aaron sorkin's dialogue is just so fantastic this and social network being two great examples um and that is our list everybody um top five biopics um we would love to hear what we left off but um and you can tweet at us i am at burke reviews uh cory at cory r star two r's on the end and michael sanchez at server monkey i want to just real quick oh well, yeah uh, i'm going there mentions. i'm going there i'm going there i didn't forget i'm i'm no, i'm, I'm segueing in. we always get scared i i'm not gonna forget i just like to segue into things so um we'd love to hear your thoughts but before we are just listening to yours we have some things that we just missed our list they were almost there but they just uh didn't quite make the cut for one reason or another the hardest part about making top five lists is that not everybody can be on it so mike what do you have for your honorable mentions I threw in Goodfellas, Walk the Line, The Elephant Man, Man on the Moon, and Ooh. La Bamba. Oh, man. I haven't seen La Bamba since I was a kid, but it's such an iconic story. Um, Corey, what do you have for honorable mentions? I already mentioned Great Balls of Fire and Cheered Out of Compton, but I've also got Imitation Game, Girl Interrupted. The book is great also. Selena, guys. Selena. And J-Lo. The Pursuit oh. of Happiness. <laughs> you know, I've not watched The Pursuit of Happiness. Um, I have it oh, as well. Yes. Um, it, I just, it, I know it's going to be sad and that was, it came You're out, gonna cry. it came out of the time when I was avoiding anything that would make me sad. So, um, I haven't gotten to it, but, um, I have a couple of, I broke mine up a, a little bit, but I have four, uh, big ones that I, I feel like could be on anyone's top five because they're like great movies can like without the idea of it being a biopic, but people just recognize them. Goodfellas Mike was one of those, um, Lawrence of Arabia is a biopic fantastic, uh, fantastic, and it's yeah. it's an iconic film exactly so i didn't want to put it on my list because it's like iconic um schindler's list uh i mean oh, spielberg's yeah. one of his oh, masterpieces man. and uh such a it's such an important story for so many reasons it's, it's touching it's it's heartbreaking um you know but again i didn't put it on my list because so many people know that movie and then uh mel gibson's first i think it's his directorial debut of braveheart um which is uh, Oscar winner. It's a really interesting film, and it's a biopic. Um, uh, but the, my those are like the ones I felt like needed to be just put out there. Like we're aware of those movies, we know those movies. Um, but the ones that I have on my honorable mentions, um, again, uh, newer is very common for me. Uh, Spotlight was a film that came out in 2015 as well. Oh, that was so good. It's so great. Um, it's it's definitely more of a group biopic where we're not focusing on necessarily one person, but a group of people working for the Boston Globe. Such a great movie. If you haven't seen it, it was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. Um, I have a TV movie. Ooh, I think it is. Um, uh, I have a TV movie that uh, 
I'm, I don't necessarily think it's a great movie, but it really resonated with me when it came out. Um, and I own the DVD. Like I, I found this DVD at a Ross and was so excited that I found it on disc because it was a TV movie. Um, but the Ron Clark story, uh, starring Matthew Perry, who I am, a, if you've listened to this, I am a big fan of Friends and mainly because of Matthew Perry. And um, this movie came out right, I think it was my, it was either my first year of teaching or my second year of teaching. And um, while I don't necessarily agree with all of Ron Clark's teaching philosophies, it was a movie I needed as a beginning teacher. Um, it really inspired me. It made me feel like the struggles and the stress that I was going through could be worth it. And I, I do think in a way, seeing this movie helped me to continue teaching. Um, and so I, I wanted to mention it. I, I wouldn't have put it on my top five because it's a TV movie, but I felt like it was worth bringing up. Um, and then I'll knock these other ones off real quick. Eddie the Eagle, which came out, um, I think, last year or the year before. I still need to watch that. I, I love the performances in that movie. Hugh Jackman's character is so over the top, but it's so entertaining. Um, Bernie, which, um, it's a Richard Linklater film. Um, I think it's one of the most interesting Sounds biopics. really interesting, yeah. Yeah, because it's Jack Black, um, who essentially ends up being a murderer. Like, not a spoiler because it's, it's a biopic, um, but uh, it's cr- it's such a crazy story and it's a true story. That's what's so compelling about it. Um, and then uh, one I watched today, um, a student had recommended and I had not seen um, until today, and I liked it quite a bit. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but it was definitely an enjoyable story. And that's the Lords of Dogtown. Um, yeah, that's, that two, was two thousand five. Heath Ledger in it, which was uh, really great because he's very into this performance um, of a young. Um, oh uh, man. Stacey Peralta. Um, yeah, Dogtown uh, and Sea Boys is it, the documentary. Yes, and uh, this is the, the the biopic version of it. It's a very interesting story. I I knew very little about. I have the documentary, but I have not watched it yet. Um, but uh, okay. this was recommended by one of my seniors who graduated, and so I just I had some time. Good, good recommendation. Yeah, and I thought it's one of his favorite movies because he's he's into like skateboarding and stuff, and um. You know, Emil Hirsch is in it, and uh, man, there's a name of a kid I can't. He's in Sky High. Um, I cannot think Michael of his name. Angaro. That's it. That's the guy. He's in Red State, um, and he's and he's mm-hmm. Sid in this movie. Um, but yeah, uh, it it was really good. I was really entertained by it, and I thought I would mention it because I watched it because of this list. I was like, maybe this will squeak into my top five. It did not, but I wanted to mention it now. So got mentioned. Yep. All right, guys, that's our episode. It is a little longer than normal. We had some technical difficulties this week, but we worked through it. We got them resolved. And, uh, you fix it in post. Maybe we won't fix it in post because it takes a lot of time. Oh. But nonetheless, <laughs> um, we, uh, again, encourage you to reach out to us. Go to BurkeReviews.com. Uh, we have posts frequently, um, all sorts of articles, reviews up on everything that's come out in theaters recently, except for uh, the the kid movies. I haven't seen Diary of Wimpy Kid or... Captain Underpants, but I will be seeing all five movies that are coming out this weekend. I hope to at least, um, if I can find Book of Henry. I don't know if that's going to come anywhere local, but I will be seeing even Rough Night with Scarlett Johansson and um, what was it? Oh, Forty Seven Meters Down, which I'm going to try to drag Mike to with me. Um, oh heavens, <laughs> good luck, guys. Nope. Come on, Mike. <laughs> it's it's a shark movie. Um, but that's our show for I'm the week. I'm waiting on Meg. I'm waiting on. Is it Statham, is it Meg. Shark Week? It should be coming out on Shark Week. It I don't even be. know when Shark Week yet. Um, but all right, guys, we'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, our most recent episode of Movie Club is up. It's on a film, a Netflix original film called Small Crimes. This week, uh, Corey and I will be watching Stanley Kubrick's Lolita from 1962, um, which is, I think, the oldest movie we've watched for Movie Club. So, 
um, check that out. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with top five. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Good night, everybody. Peace. What do you do? I play the orchestra.